Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome to Six Nations Podcast with David Flatman and Tom Shanklin. Now, we're a bit tired, aren't we? Let's let's just be brutally honest and let's be frank and yep. peggy about it. It's been a long weekend. Yeah. But <clears throat> yeah, we're going to bring the energy for what? 3 minutes. Speaking of frank and peggy, do you remember when um were you there when uh Pat Butcher oh, came over Pat. and tried to kick us out, tried to kick us out of dinner at the Grosvenor? Oh, Pat. No. And then after she failed, Jeremy no, Jeremy Beadle tried and then he we wouldn't go. We weren't no he told us to be quiet and then we weren't quiet and Pat Butcher came over. I mean, it was a bit. It was a bit dodgy. This, but it was before anyone knew anything. It was um, God rest his soul. Anyway, a dinner that, Jeremy Beadle. Yeah, and it was. Um, it was actually they. It was a World Wildlife Foundation dinner. There were loads of footballers there too, from memory, and it got a bit loose. Sure, it wasn't a wrestling dinner. There was also a cake brought out, and they sung "Happy Birthday" to Rolf Harris, who was also there. Hmm. Anyone else? Yep. No, but yeah. Rolf Harris was there. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. I'm, uh, I do remember that, actually. You got on really well with him, didn't you? Went out after <laughs> on the town. <laughs> Kept in touch. No. No. Uh, uh, yeah, where were we? Where were we? Where were we, Tom? Just just let's let's hear. We're a bit tired. We're okay. We're okay. We're okay. Um, let's hear um, the fact that I fell asleep on the sofa an hour before this pod um, at 10 o'clock on a Monday morning when I was just looking at some emails I haven't looked at for a few days. Um, says it all, says it all, Tommy. Um, but I'd like to hear about your schedule, Do you please. wish, no, you don't need to. Do you wish that, you know, when you're feeling this tired that you could just hand your baby back, not have it, you know, just... For the first time this morning. No, I didn't, know. No, I don't mind. It's not that difficult. She's poorly at the moment, but she's poorly for the first time which is oh. crap for her so I called the docs this morning but um, they were right the docs right? 
Yeah, call the dogs. <laughs> Popped over to Ireland Friday. Why? Um, did the Radio 5 Live with Tommy Bow, Lovely bloke. Lovely bloke. Yeah. And uh, Sarah Orchard. And got a flight back on Saturday night. And it was a nightmare because there were so many drunks on the flight. Well, not, well, not drunks, but merry people. Drowning their sorrows. And I had a bobble hat on down to like my eyelids. I had a mask up. Hang on, you did a game. You went over on Friday. Yeah, I did the game and came back straight after the game. What game? Wales. Well, I should say Ireland v Wales. Right. Well, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? Yeah, well, I never know with you. Okay. Um, and I was just trying to, I was just trying to get through it, just trying to get through the flight on the way back. And there was a very, um, a very drunken man just kept asking where I'm from. Kept saying, "Oh, you." He's going, "Oh, you're a big lump. Do you play rugby?" I was like, "No, no, mate. He could, he could literally no. only see my eyelids." Um, and uh, he kept plugging away, but. I didn't give in, mate. I didn't give in. And, uh, yeah, good. Put the old AirPods in. And didn't want to watch it, but it was the only thing I had on my iPad. I had to watch um, the World War Two in colour, D-Day. <laughs> oh, God. A bit heavy, isn't it? Puts a bit, yeah. <laughs> but I was I was just trying to get through the flight, mate. That was all. Um, so you, did, you got home. You got yourself home. You came home Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. Got yourself home. What were you doing yesterday? Being Sunday, what were you doing? Uh, kids, when it kids caught up on a bit of the rugby, watched the France Italy game, and then did scrum five in das evening. Oh, well done, boy. Yeah, yeah. And now it's Monday morning. You and I have got a great gig tonight. We're doing something for We Love Sport and Stonegate Pubs in Walkabout. Uh, we're yep. with George North, Gath Thomas, and we're just gonna. We're going to make everyone laugh. Oh, it's going to be flipping. Well, you are. You are, because you're the funny one. You are. You're the funny one. You are. You're funny looking. You're the MC. Um, Massive. Uh, I did did an event with Bob the Cat once, Bob the Cat Bevan, who's one of the greatest MCs of all time. And I hammered him before we 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 co hosted an event, and I hammered him before we got up. Yeah. Um, He's an old guy, so I said we we didn't think he'd make it, to be honest. They only booked me, because we assumed he'd be dead. But he's here now, so we said he could do it, so he's got to do it. Laugh at his joke. He won't know if you're laughing or not. He can't eat, all that sort of stuff. He stood up and he said, David Flatman, your MC. Turns out, I thought we thought it standing for Master of Ceremonies. Turns out it stands for Massive... And he just said it in the Hurlingham Club in Fulham. It was he dropped so the good. C-bomb, did he? He dropped it. He just flew out. Oh, he's brilliant, man. And, and, uh, and was it well received? Yeah. Oh, it went down brilliantly. And oh, good. And um, he's right though. So he said, "I would, I would ask. You know, we all had a tough time, a tough Christmas. You know, my family. Because he's, he's, you know, Christmas always reminds me of a tough time. You know, I went, got up on Christmas Day and found my grandfather. My grandfather had hung himself in the sitting room. So it was a, in the living room. I mean, he hung himself. That's, you know, that ruined. That was a nightmare. It was horrible. You know, and he was, he was just hanging there. And my grandmother, being a traditionist, didn't take him down to the sixth. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, and it, even like a few years ago, he told some jokes that would be so badly received now. Yeah. But you just think, I don't know, they'd be well received, but it's like you, you couldn't tell them now in case someone found out you told them. Yeah. But I look, I look back and think they are not offensive jokes. Like They are brilliant jokes, nothing too edgy. But it's just like, I wonder if he still says them. I don't know. Anyway. It's like, well, I've got 
um, a couple of legends come into the locker room on Saturday. I've got the Welsh version of Martin Bayfield and Warwick Davis. So I've got oh, Ian yeah. Evans and Rob Jones coming along. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, that'd be good. And, oh, that'd be good. And Gav Hastings and John Barkley. Oh, that'll be good. Who's actually just put up a picture of himself uh, with a pair of pants on. Uh, I think they're sponsored underwear. Um, just just with his, showing us his back by his window. We are, yeah, he and I, I knew that was coming. And He's like Partridge. Do you want to know what I said to him? He's got a fat back. Do you, know what, do you want to know what I said to him? What? We were chatting about something else. He goes, mate, um, you'll see a picture of me pop up later on in my boxer shorts. Uh, it's an ad though. And I said, mate, what are you doing? Shanks will screenshot that and he will keep it forever. Hmm. And he goes, yeah, I might, he goes, I might send the photo to him first, front foot it, <laughs> front foot him, because he'll have me for it. And he's done it facing away, very clever. I said I to know. him, facing away, very uh, clever. He has got a fat back, though. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't, right. he doesn't. Yeah, look fine. I'm only joking. Um, yeah. How are you? How was your weekend? Oh, don't ask. Okay, fine. Do you not want me to, or do you? No, do. Um, it was good. It's been, it's been a... It's been like one of those long weekends that, like before COVID came along, um, you know, it, if, if it's, it's the first time it's felt like pre-COVID, really. Yeah. Um, and it's just a it's a one-off long weekend, really. But I hosted a lunch on Thursday. Um, oh, lovely! Afternoon at Twickenham for my name's Doddy. Yep. Uh, which is which is awesome, and that was organised by. A chap called Paul Williamson. He did a really good job, and there were just tons of ex-players there, like loads of ex-players. That was brilliant. Um, I won't list them all, but Barry McDermott, the rugby league legend, yes. was there. Who's my favourite? Um, and we were sort of working both of us during the day. During the so afterwards, we it was almost like, look, we could have a couple of pints, we could have a drink now, or we could just say, look, we've never met before. We really want to have a drink together, but let's do it next time because we both got stuff on tomorrow and we thought, oh, sod it, we'll do it now. So we basically stayed in the bar for quite a long time and um, had about 40 pints each and got Saw to bed that. quite late. Um, but it was good. But Friday morning then... You had a life jacket on, didn't you? Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> um, and uh, sync, And um, went then went up to Edinburgh and popped into a, a wooden spoon lunch. So I got to the airport, went straight to... Uh, a wooden spoon lunch that Andy Nick was hosting. Yep. Um, nice. Wooden spoon wooden spoon events are always really nice because they're such a nice charity. They're so good. And they're always just very, very relaxed events. And um, who better to host one than Andy Nick? Mm. I mean, the guy's absolute class. Like, he does loads of stuff for Wooden Spoon. Absolute class. He was brilliant. So did a had a bit of a chat there and had a bit of fun. Then went to the Balmoral from there and um, hosted the Old Enemy Dinner. Yeah, um, which is an annual thing they do it in Edinburgh for Scotland games and the Grosvenor for London for um, Twickenham games. That oh, was great. It was great. Um, we had Jim and Goody. We had Winterbottom and we had Leon Lloyd, Jordan Murphy, Big Al Kellock. We had um, the list is really really long. Hoppers was there. Uh, Pete Phillips was there as I called him Zara's brother. Um, so you know it was there. There were loads of people there. I would have forgotten loads of people then, but it was it was good. It's a big old night. Um, and then did the green room hospitality finder with Durders oh, and nice. Durders? Tins and Johnny Beatty and Jim. Um, Durders are great. Oh, good. Durders are great. Ab- outstanding forms. So that was Saturday, and then it's back to uh, sort of bed Saturday night, knowing you've got 
So I got up very early and had to do me lateral flowing and stuff before I set off for the airport and then got a a 7am flight straight back to Heathrow, straight to the stoop, filmed the ITV Premiership Highlights show. As soon as we got there, spent a couple of hours filming that, got all that done, walked straight over to BT Sport and then commentated on Quinn's sale. Came home last night and then we got the event tonight in Cardiff. Was it a day, like a weekend sponsored by coffee? Like yeah, Nescafe or Costa or Starbucks. Yeah, yep. anything I get my hands on. Yeah, you it's one of those ones where I got a coffee at the ground at the stoop yesterday, and it was it wasn't a great coffee. Mm. It was like I had a couple of coffees. The second one or the third one I got was just like a. It was fine. Topsy just grabbed a couple of coffees from like the milk and the tea bag truck at BT. It wasn't even a artisan one, and I thought normally I wouldn't drink that. And I gulped the whole cup, the whole cup of it down. I thought, I need that. You want to get a bit of pre-workout shakedown, you mate? Yeah. That'd be good. Beta alanine. Yeah, itchy skin. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's all, yeah. we're all, we're all grateful and all that. And it's, and it's lovely. But um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been good. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. So let's start with Ireland versus Wales now. Go on then. Everyone was a little bit nervous. So I had a, I had a job to do for Scrum 5. I had to try and um, get six Irish people to say Wales were going to win uh, before the game. And it was a nightmare. No one no one said Wales going to win. Even the Welsh people were saying Ireland were going to win. I had to, had to pay someone to say Wales would win. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it was... I was a little bit worried because this game could potentially be a banana skin and you know there, there was hope that Ireland might still be a little bit hung over from their autumn campaign beating the All Blacks and first game up you might catch them a bit cold but mm-mm-mm. like literally from the first kickoff they won that was it Wales didn't touch a ball for 20 minutes a little bit of luck with a ricochet that went straight into Mac Hansen's hands down the left hand side and then just quality play mate a couple of hit-ups in the midfield. Bundyaki keeps the width and Matt Hansen throws a lovely pass. But th- what I was really impressed with Ireland was how well they organised quickly 
um, and not just offset piece, but you know, phase play as well, getting people in the right positions. They've got so many players that can take the ball flat to the line and put in that loop pass back to your, your ball player. The variation yeah. of that was wonderful as well. Sometimes they're throwing miss passes and doing it, um, you know, two or three channels wider. Sometimes Bundyaki would hit the short ball to Ringrose, who would then give the loop pass back to Sexton. So constantly, constantly kept the defence thinking. And, and because they, they had variation, because Bundyaki is really good at it, there's certain players that are good at it. Esther Hazen's really good at it. Like Mark Atkinson uh, for Gloucester in England is really good at it. Wales don't have a player that can do it like that. You know that because because Bundyaki is also a carrying threat as well. You're always left in three minds really about is he going to carry it? Is he going to pass it short? Is he going to pass it behind? And the Welsh defence literally just had to back off the whole time. Uh, they couldn't keep going with line speed. That meant that when Sexton was coming around the corner, he had loads of time, loads of time to pick out who he wanted to pass to. And Wales just couldn't get their hands on the ball when they did. The line-out didn't function. Um, Ireland didn't give a penalty away till the 48th minute. And when that penalty was given away, it was reversed because of Josh Adams' uh, shoulder charge on Johnny Sexton, which was a clear yellow card and a moment of madness. Yeah, because when you can't attack with the ball or you don't have the ball, you just sometimes you need to rely on infringements from the opposition. So you're able yeah. to get penalty and you're able to get territory and possession in their half. But 48 minutes, mate, without a penalty... I've not known that happen in a game, especially like a, a top-level game like uh, like this was, a, a top test match. Um, and I know some refereeing decisions would have gone against Wales, but you can't look at that, I don't think. You know, there was nothing, there was no massive clear ones. You know, maybe you could say players not rolling away. A couple of dubious ones maybe around the scrum, but you get that every single game that's played, by the way. Yeah. Um, and Wales just didn't have any ball carriers compared to Ireland. Ireland got ball carries absolutely everywhere. Um, I think tactically, they got it wrong. They seemed to be playing really flat. Bash had not carried quite well. He, he carried okay, yeah. He carried okay. That's one, mate. No one else. No, like, no one else had an effect on the game. Wayne Wright didn't. Um, Ellis Jenkins didn't. Moriarty tried a bit when he came on. But there's, there's no sort of guaranteed carriers, you know, someone that is going to give you front football. There's just not, you know, that Ireland had uh, Doris, they had um, Conan, Van der Fleer is really good, um, Tyg Byrne, uh, Furlongs, all the whole front row. Yeah, Kelleher. You know, the best scrum James Wales Ryan had. carries well. The best yeah. scrum Wales had was twenty five uh, on the 25th minute and um, Thomas Williams breaks off the back, gets really good front forward ball. Then we decide to hit two forward runners really into the heart of the Irish defence the second one just gets held up turnover ball when we've done the damage with Thomas Williams the space was out wide and we, we try to be too physical I think we try to take Ireland on physically when you're not going to be able to when you just look at the teams you know there's no real yeah. size anywhere in that team so play to your strengths which is I thought in attack would be 13 14 um 11 and 15. But we didn't get the ball wide enough when, when Wales did. Um, yeah. Zamet was just under so much pressure that he either had to step back inside or had to kick it. Um, so it was just, we were. I said on Scrum 5 last night, we, we were just given a masterclass by Ireland in how to attack. There was no dominant hits at all 
on the on the stat pad. So no one was yep. able to put a dominant hit in. So no one was able to slow Ireland's ball down. They played with quick ball as much as they wanted. And I think the score flattered Ireland, 29-7. Like, it could have been way flattered more. Flattered Ireland? Uh, Wales. Flattered Wales, you mean? Sorry, yeah, flattered yeah. Wales. Um, 29-7. It could have it could have been It could have been way more. But, I mean, any positives come like out that. of it? I mean, it wasn't. I, well, I felt like it could have been a lot more, but it wasn't. Yeah, I think scramble defence... Yeah. Um, save Wales quite a few times with a, a real heavy yep. scoreline. Um, I think Tane Basham carried well, offered himself well every single time. But that is about it. Couldn't couldn't really understand what they were doing in attack. Um, Defence, there was hardly any line speed because you know the back line would come up and then all, all of a sudden start backpedalling because um, they were so worried yep. about Ireland's plays. Um, but on the, I you just know, like, I, honestly, sorry, mate. Honestly, I was just I was really impressed with Ireland. I was really impressed with how well they organised as well quickly. So, like rugby league, because rugby league's real quick game, isn't it? And sometimes on the third or fourth phase, you can see players just get into position. You can see player um, some of the ball players marshalling them, and I could see, you could see that with Sexton. You could see that with Ringrose. You could see that with Aki. They were just getting forwards in the right position. So when they come to run their phase plays of their blockers uh, and getting people in the right position, you know they were just um, they were just able to attack Wales. And nothing more evident than say Bundyaki's try. Uh, Mac Hansen, I thought, was outstanding. Jameson Gibson Park was brilliant. Um, Johnny Sexton, obviously class. Gary Ringrose, Bundyaki, what a partnership. Conway, how he managed to finish that try, the second one when he has to run in to catch the ball on one knee, then is able to get outside. I think Josh Adams gives him far too much space. He should never be scoring that try. So, um, pretty disappointing for Wales. But I think they beat Scotland. That's be done. Crikey, you think they beat Scotland, do you? Yep, I Hagen. do. Scotland haven't won in um, Cardiff, not uh, Straddy Park, incidentally, Cardiff, since 2002. Okay, well, maybe now's the time. Um uh, Wayne Pivak said it was discipline and physicality like the physical side of it you've mentioned and it's difficult to counter that I mean it's impossible um, they got they got physically dominated um, discipline I always think like blaming discipline I always think you can only really blame discipline if you've been in the ascendancy and done stupid things yeah otherwise you're given away penalties and field position and points because you're under pressure because you're being dominated like big time there were times I, w- I watched a slight diversion. I watched um, Quinn's sale yesterday, and sale won really, really comfortably. They were really good. Quinn's loads of guys missing and all that, but um, but there were times when Quinn's were giving away pens because they were under pressure. But there were also times when Quinn's were dropping the ball and doing really uncharacteristic things when they were in full flow, in possession, in the sale half. Now that is also discipline. And there you can blame discipline because they're not concentrating on that sort of stuff. I always think people blame discipline for the wrong reason. It's like you're giving away penalties because you're getting battered. Yeah, like, you can't don't get, get battered. And you're dis- if you start physically dominating and making line breaks and bashing people, you will give away fewer penalties almost every time. So it's almost like they go hand in hand, really. If you get battered, mm. you will give away more penalties, just I would have thought. Um, yeah, the... Um, what about Josh Adams at 13? Because that's created a bit of a stir. Yep. Um, and um, how, how do you feel about it? 
I think it was. We'll the, do the yellow card first, and then we'll talk about how. Was, he yeah, it, it was a yellow card. Um, yeah, it's he was poor in in terms of um, I think either being a bit too eager to to give line speed, and he got pinged twice for being offside. Um, and he also had that yellow card, which was just stupidity. Just can't do that. Um, I flat it would have mattered who you had at thirteen in that game at all. I think he was the best option with the squad that was picked. Um, Wales don't really have any pace at 13 and George North is has got that jersey at the moment but he's injured um, Willis Hallahollow uh, had a hamstring issue so he couldn't play so I, I think George um, not George George Adams was the right decision and you know he looked good in attack he offered himself he's he's a test match player and he gives everything um, and he runs hard and he's aggressive and it wasn't the greatest day for him, and it was a tough day for him at the office. But it's like if you drop him, or you move him back to the wing, you're sort of saying this is this is the reason why we lost the game. You know, he's not the reason why Wales lost the game. Yeah, I, th- I think it. I think it's people are jumping on this now because of his indiscipline, saying that's where it didn't work. And I know sometimes Ireland got round the edges a little bit, but there was no massive glaring errors from him. Um, so it's also about the development of centres in Wales because George North is streets ahead of anyone at 13 and he's only just new to the role as well. Is he streets ahead of John Davis? I I think so, yeah. I think I think he offers more pace uh, and more aggression in that channel. I think they see John as a 12 at the moment rather than a 13 and we need pace in that 13 channel proper pace you know to be able to get outside of players and to be able to finish off tries and to make breaks um and link play so we need you need you need to be fast at 13 and yeah. george north is and i think it's it's about who's going to be who's going to fill that position next i don't see any players doing it so i think the only way you're going to do that then is converting a winger into 13 look it was tough for him it's a tough learning curve but if Wayne Pivak sees him as a 13 and sees that we need to develop someone soon to fill that jersey in case George can't play like right now, then they should stick with it. But he needs also to be playing 13 for Cardiff as well. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. then Hallaholo's playing there or Lilo. Yeah, but Hallahollow's 31, coming up to 32. Ray Lilo's 35. So they're good, though. Yeah, they are good, but there's, at some stage, you know, yeah, it's about true. Welsh development of Welsh players. And Willis Hallahollow isn't going to be there for long. Ray okay. Lilo either. He's 35, mate. Like, he's, he might have another year left in him, maybe, and he's playing well. Okay. I know that. But we need to develop... Welsh centres, young Welsh centres, or centres that have got quite a bit of time in that, that's going to do the next World Cup and the one after. Someone's going to be around the Welsh team for a while. And at the moment, I can't see any people who are, who are genuine centres really putting their hand up at all. So therefore, you have to look at some of your better players, some of your wingers, and think, right, can we develop you? Can we work on your skills? And Josh Adams had a couple of nice touches, a nice ball to Johnny McNichol, a nice miss pass. Um, but it is tough. It's a big ask, you know, for him to to come in and, and play thirteen against one of the best teams in the world right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, boy. Okay, boy. That's good stuff from you. That. 
Yeah. It's good stuff from you. All right. Um, um, yeah, so... Happy with that. So there we go. Ireland look absolutely fantastic, but they've also got to go to France and they've got to go to Twickenham, uh, which is as everybody Oh, does. they'll get battered. They'll get battered at Twickenham. Of course it will. They might, they might win, actually. I, I, yeah, I feel like England are always in the conversation yep. um, wherever they finished last year, which, as I think we said last week, always... It's funny that because it's like oh, the English are arrogant. It's like yeah, well England finished fifth last year and everyone's saying they're joint favourites, so they should they might go they might win it. It's like well England aren't saying that. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Eddie Jones might be, but you know what I mean. It's a weird one. It's like and then um, I think it's just a, it's I like, think it's just a talent pool, mate, that people look at. Of course it is. Of course Ra- it is. They should like they should 15, be up there rather than like your they actual start in fifteen. It's it's like yeah, wow they should know, be up there. Yeah, but um, Scotland England was I was up there at Murrayfield as I said and it was it was really interesting game like. There's, there's always it's always about fifty million times easier to talk about a game afterwards than it would be to be the head coach, yeah. Um, at, at the time, but there were things happening on the field, and I was watching up there, and I was just thinking to myself, like, it's tight. England haven't had much penetration. They they haven't, you know, they've dominated in possession and territory terms, but they haven't actually um, cut Scotland to bits. The mid Scottish midfield held up well. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, could do with Manu or somebody, but didn't have him. So I'm thinking, well, this is where Marcus Smith comes alive. This is the whole point. Yeah. And he's playing pretty well. Like he wasn't, he wasn't a masterclass by any stretch, but he, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't much between him and Finn Russell at that point. And you're thinking, right now we're getting into the, the proper danger zone, the proper business end of this game. This is, these are the money minutes or whatever you want to call them. And they took him off. Yeah. And it's not just hindsight at the time. I thought, Oh no! It, you know how many games has he won pa- recently, Flat? In the last sort of it's what he does. Minutes. Yeah. In in fairness, when when Scotland had that amazing uh, comeback at Twickenham and they were ahead thirty eight thirty one, George Ford came off the bench, scored, and saved England. Yeah. So a sort of there's a bit of that probably into it, probably. Um, but I was thinking, Marcus Smith, this is not a game he's used to playing in. He doesn't have a really dominant twelve. He doesn't have a pack that is just running a show, which is when Quinns are at full strength, that is where they're at at the moment. He doesn't have that. Um, he doesn't have the telepathic relationship with his nine, eight, nine, twelve. He doesn't, you know, but he was doing perfectly nicely. And that's try he scored was typical Marcus Smith. Saw a gap, sniping, loads of pace, loads of pace off the mark, really sharp. And you think, this is going to come down to a last 10, 15 minutes between Finn Russell and Marcus Smith. Yeah. Can't wait. And they took him off and it just thought, it, well, apart from anything else, thought, that means you don't trust him. But also, George Ford wasn't even in the original squad. So it's not like he's in from the start to sort of close yeah. out games. He, he wasn't picked. In the, in but the, then it's like, so you're going to put, you're going to take Marcus Smith off when he's playing perfectly well mm. in a big game and put George Ford on, who wasn't in the squad because Orlando Bailey was. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying Bailey, there's not, this is not a comment on Orlando Bailey, but it's a weird one. Like, you made him your your fourth choice effectively so now he's replacing your first choice or your second choice anyway I mean yeah. that logic it just kind of undoes the whole justifications given for these selections it makes you think well is that actually what you meant is that actually why you did it but found that odd and a lot of a lot of people have said why didn't England replace Cowan Dickey earlier for Jamie George Jamie George is so experienced well Luke Cowan Dickey is a premiership captain you know he's played a lot of games he's a hell of a player and would I have replaced him watching that game? No, I thought he was going really well. I mean, you could have done and you would have lost nothing. But 
Not really. One player I thought might start was Jack Noel, and he didn't start, which is fine. And then I thought he will be off the bench. This is his sort of game. He's good in the air. He's active. He's high work rate. He's abrasive. I thought this is a great game to get him on in because he'll be a handful. Because Max Malins is a player I love, but it wasn't really his sort of game. It wasn't really happening for him. Whereas Noel will be picking and going and taking balls off nine and yeah. off the t- shoulder of ten and just causing back rows a nightmare and smacking into Hamish Watson and like no anger at and Claremont. Yeah, yeah. It'd just be a pain in the ass, wouldn't he? And you yep. just think it'd be a great guy to get on early. So they're two changes, easy to say. I thought, nah, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have made those. Um, there's also, so the, the the lead up to the penalty try, and there's no, no one argues it's a penalty try, I don't think. Um, I was watching it thinking, I mean, it's brilliant. Finn Russell, one crossfield kick to Van der Merwe on the money. Yeah. And of course, because there's such a big threat there, you've got Joe Marchant gets pulled across. Yeah. Everyone gets pulled across. Luke Cavendicky finds himself somewhere he's probably never been, and he may never be again, hopefully, marking a winger. And he might be bigger than Darcy Graham, because everyone's bigger than Darcy Graham. But he's not used to being up in the air, so he panicked. And mm. it's a clear yellow. But then I think, I was watching it thinking, is it a penalty try, though? And then Nigel Nigel Owens came on the telly and said, it is a penalty try because if you're giving a yellow card there, you have to give the penalty try. And if you basically, I think what Nigel's getting at is if you remove the player who did the illegal thing, so remove Cowan Dickey, do Scotland score? And the answer is almost definitely. So very probably. So I know he wouldn't have been in that position before, but I assume everybody knows you can't slap the ball into touch. Did you watch him land and like he oh, mucked around his arms once he landed and faked it as if he was trying to catch it? I th- he looked like a bit, yeah, oh, mate, amateur, tra- amateur hour. I thought, he, I, I thought he like knocked himself out in the air the way yeah. he lands. Yeah. Looks really awkward. But like, everyone, you, you can't slap the ball into touch. Everyone knows that. That's just, yep. yeah, it, panic. So it's just sheer panic. That, that was, but that's outstanding from Finn Russell. I know, like, mate. I know. Left and right. Outstanding, mate. Pulled I everyone know. left, dropped it right. Brutal. I love um, that. So I thought that was that was really impressive. One thing people are talking about, and I've just I read it earlier on I forget what the BBC Sport or something, and it said Joe Marler botched his line out throw at the front. <laughs> and he didn't. He didn't botch it. He didn't. Alex Dombrant came from the back round the front. The front pod moved to loot to leave space right at the front to make give Joe Marler the easiest throw possible. And Don Brandt encroached over the five. He ran straight over the five-metre line and took it too close. The throw might not have been great or not straight or whatever, but that is not what it what was, was given, it given for. What was it given for? The ball's five. got to go five metres. Yeah, yeah. It's got to reach the five-metre line. Oh, I thought it was line. not straight because it, it, was, it wasn't straight. I mean, it might, it, it might not have been straight, but that's not the point. It doesn't yeah. matter where you throw it, even if it's dead straight. It doesn't go five. Yeah. Now and again, you get away with one at 4.8, 4.9, whatever. If, you, if you're the front pod's jumping over the front prop, yeah. and you know, front foot, front shouldering it a bit. But... Don Brandt steamed over, so that's the, that's another little moment where the detail went away from England, and the mm. you know the pressure of the moment caused a, a dilution of concentration or something. But yeah, I, you know it's not all it's not all Joe Marler's throwing is my point. There's a bit of detail that went away there, um, and you could tell they practiced it because they knew the move they were going to do, but it was just really poor executions, which yeah. means maybe they haven't practiced it enough. Yeah, what about? Um any changes you think England might make? Who have England got this weekend? They have got Italy away this weekend. Okay. Not a bad game to rediscover a bit of form and combinations. No. I would go 
for the same front five, mm. I would go for. I would look at Don Brandt six, yeah, um, okay. or Simmons at six, whatever. Yeah. Don Brandt maybe line out option, Curry at seven, Simmons at eight. That's and I'd go Randall at nine, Smith again. Um, I probably would play Jack Noel this week, um, but maybe it's a good idea to play Finn Russell, uh, Finn Russell, uh, Max Malins again. Yeah, or or do you give Max Malins a run at fullback with Jack Noel on the wing? Um, Elliot Daly. Yeah. I don't, Elliot Daly, well, it didn't quite work at 13, did it? Um, but Do you think he's going to be one of these players that never actually nails down a position? Because there's no doubt he's a talented player and he's skillful. Like, yeah, he is. But he's just playing in random positions all the time, filling in gaps. Yeah, I, I personally would go Atkinson and Slade in the midfield. Okay. Um, I'd, I'd just give Atkinson a go because they're going to beat Italy. Like yeah. if they don't beat Italy, it'll be the biggest upset in Six Nations history. Yeah. Like so, uh, Italy have never beaten England, and they don't look likely to now. So no, no I agree. Um, so you, it's not you can't pick who you want, but you can pick who you want from that squad, and they should win the game. So that that's probably where I'd go. And who was the other wing at the weekend? I've drawn a blank. Uh, Marchant. Marchant. Yeah. So I wonder. I you know. Can you justifiably drop Marchant for um, Daly? I think not. So I'd probably go Marchant on one wing, Jack Noel on the other, and Isla Malins or Stewart at fullback. Yeah. But Harry Randall, it's just a golden opportunity for Harry Randall to play a whole test, start a test, yeah. which means he probably won't. Um, you know, <laughs> It's a great opportunity to play Simmons and Don Brandt together, which means they probably won't. And you've also got to start developing new nines because Ben Young's, I mean, how old is he? What is 42 it? now. He's two years above me at school. But he's... he's not how old he is. Yeah. He's, I'm sure he's like 33, 34. He's played a ton of rugger, isn't he? He, he has played a ton of rugger. But at some stage, a bit like well, all teams really, at some stage you're going to have to blood someone else to come through and, and take the jersey. You know, not it's going to happen like now, I mean, but they're going to have to get some experience. So when the time comes, they've got seven, eight, nine caps Maybe more, you know, so they feel confident yeah. to know what to do. Um, it's, been, it's been one of the, it's been one of, um, in my opinion, it's been one of the real negatives of the Eddie Jones era yeah. has been his and ben Young's almost like, point sorry, blank mate. refusal to develop any nines behind Ben Young's really. And the ball Ben Young's gave to Marcus Smith was brilliant. You know, it had to be really delayed, really good communication between yep. nine and 10 there. You know, exact time, had to had to time it to perfection and... It was a it was a delicious ball because he gives that early, people are able to drift off. He gives it, you know, too late. You know, the the hole might have gone, but it was ab- it was absolutely perfect. Um a little word on Scotland, okay, because the back three were brilliant. Um Stuart Hogg gives uh, Scotland just another attacking threat. You know, and I don't mean just like individual. He becomes a ball player a lot, and he's able to put people through holes because he's got that vision, like like a ten would have. He's another ball player, Darcy Graham, like one on one. He turns Marchant inside out, and then he actually could have gone himself because I think Malins then goes to the ball, but he doesn't. Just in case, <laughs> gives it to uh, Ben White to go over. But just his ability to to keep the ball alive, to stay on his feet, to not die with it straight away. You know, he's he's not the biggest. Like, he wouldn't weigh much, but 
pound for pound, he looks absolutely solid. And then on the other wing, you've got someone completely different. You know, the biggest ball carrier out there. He's rapid. He's strong. He's powerful. He's got acceleration. He's aggressive. Like, ticks absolutely every box. And the the combinations work. It's like um, yin and yang sort of thing. You know, you've got two different players which complement different ways. You've got a player like Van der Merwe that can take it up short off a line-out or off a scrum and just give you go for a ball. And you've got another player that can step people, step inside and keep the ball alive that way. So they were brilliant. I thought the Fagersons were were brilliant. Um, and just, yeah, they look strong. I think, but I think can they, they do it again? They were both excellent. I think it was the best game Matt Fagerson that I've seen Matt Fagerson play. Yep. Um, Xander Fagerson is just so active for a big guy. Um, I think WP Nell is probably a, a more powerful flat, straight-up scrummager, but Fagerson offers a huge amount. Sutherland, I thought, was... Good, but I think uh, Pierre Schumann, when he came on, yeah, was probably best carries, so I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if he started last uh, next week. Ali Price, Ben White was good when he came on. Ali Price, you know, always plays pretty well, but I didn't think he was on top form. The 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 Richie Watts, uh, James Richie for me is was the standout player. I thought he was outstanding. Big bloke as well, isn't he? Sixty minutes, yeah, outstanding player. Mm. And Watson, it's almost Hamish Watson. It's almost like if he's not ripping through defenders, ball in hand, people think he's lost form, but I think defensively he was yeah. really good. I think he uh, made 14 out of 14 tackles, but it's just the energy he brings in that he's a nightmare. You just you can't get away with running into him. You can't yeah. get away with it. You never just get away with it. No, you don't. He never soaks you up if he, if he can do anything else. He'll run backwards until so. you drop off and then he'll go forward again. Yeah, he's a nightmare. He's mm-hmm. relentless. So I thought they were particular, but... But Richie was fantastic, I thought. I know Ferguson got man of the match and you can't really argue with that. He played the whole game, but yeah, it was, um, for me, I thought Jamie Richie, if he'd have played that well in Lions year, it would have been a Lion. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah, you're not wrong there. Um, 37-10 so, yeah. to France. Didn't really yeah. get out of seven. Now, now I haven't seen this yet. Okay. I haven't seen any of the games. I was, I was out at Quinn's yesterday, so... I listened to it. I really enjoyed it, actually. I listened to it on the radio on the yeah. way home, listened to the whole game. France didn't really get out of second gear, mate. You know, they it, it became quite close. It was, I think it might have been like 10 points until the last quarter and then Fla- uh, France just pulled away. Um, but Villiers played well, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, Villiers scored a hat-trick. Um, Jaminet looked decent. Pernod. Yeah. <sighs> Love him, mate. Like, he's my favourite Radio French made player. him sound great. Yeah, he's, he's great, my, isn't he? Because he, he just... He is he is French rugby all over, you know. He's just elusive. Um, you know, he's got all that flair. He steps inside. He's got a great offloading game. He can create everything, um, and he looks super French. Yep, you can imagine him playing with a cravat on or something, couldn't you? <laughs> uh, but um, just this is just from what I'm gonna. I'll Bocchi watch the game good. this afternoon. But um, everyone saying that uh, Gregory Aldrich is back to his best. Yeah, uh, Cyril by Jalan was excellent as yeah, well. Yeah, it was. They were all good, and they they just they did enough to comfortably win without showing too much. And then you think about you know there's, there's loads of players going to come back in as well, like Vakatawa. He, you know he'll probably come in. Although Jonathan uh, Dante played pretty well, um, Vakatawa for me is is someone pretty special. So. Um, yeah, Italy standard. Mo, really. Moafana, Moafana might play next weekend though. Just he, again, yeah. I need to watch it. But having listened, it's like Dante offers 
he's he's a bit like Bundyaki, very explosive, quick off the mark. But Moafana is just such an active player. It sounded like after he came on, he was just touching the ball every minute. He had a lovely touch to, just to get on the outside and, and put Pano away. And then mm-hmm. here's something for you. Pano goes down the right-hand side, 2v1 with a... With a it might have been the 15 or it might have been um, someone else. But Pano then throws it back inside and he's not tackled. You know, so two on one, he's not tackled, he's just left. Yeah. Um, and then ends up scoring because he takes it back off who he's passed to inside. And it's like the golden rule is tackle the man so he can't get back up. He can't yeah. be involved in the game. You know, like if that was a, yeah. if you were playing Tonga, that 2v1, you know, you would have been picking your ribs off the floor, wouldn't you? Because they, they get you and they get you hard, but yeah. it was just too passive. You know, they get you. Um, but yeah, I think, yep. I think, I think Italy going to struggle this tournament. Um, Menoncello scored a try early on. It's a really nice crossfield kick, but just just blown away, mate, by the power, the pace. Struggled really, really tough day for him. So, yeah, we didn't expect anything really. Are they so. going to lose every game again? Ah, that's the big one, isn't it? Wales v Italy. They're going to lose every game. Super Saturday, last game of the tournament. Joking, obviously. Yeah. Wales going to beat Scotland. I have a feeling. I really do. Of I really do. Let's have a look at the games this weekend then. So it will start off. You really do? Yeah, it will start off with Wales, Scotland. Do you really think that? Really? Yeah, I do. I do. Like, I thought Ireland would win last week, but I, I think Wales win. Scotland, for me, is still a tiny bit untested. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they, they've beaten England twice and retained the Calcutta Cup in consecutive years, and they haven't done that since something like 1984. Um, but the same last year, started off with a good win and beat France away, I think, last game. But it's been able to string game after game together for mm-hmm. them. And this, for me, they're still untested with that. And I think they will be absolutely flying after that game um, and, and too right because of the way they played and where they've now become and, and from where they were, you know, over the last sort of 10 years. They're massively improved. But... I think the reaction you'll see from Wales will be will be massive. It's at home. Um, I think home advantage is huge in these Six Nations because it's such a big stadium. There's such a a difference, isn't it? Um, with the noise, it's not like club yeah. level. You know, you got eighty thousand yeah. people cheering for Wales. Yeah, you know, it's lifting, uh, couldn't it? It's totally different to four thousand people. Hey, Tom. Uh, that it, don't lift the buggers nothing well. <laughs> you're right. So yeah, I I think Wales will win. Um, okay, well, I think um, it'll be close. France Island. What are you doing? What are you doing at the game? Are you um, you got your locker room going? Have you? Yeah, I've got locker room going, and I'll also be doing a little feature for Scrum Five and oh. some Radio Five Live. Oh God, well done. You're busy. Mm. Um, I'm up to uh, I'm up to do the I'm co-coms on uh, France Island actually. Ah, oh, lovely. Who are you doing it with? Um, don't know. I don't actually know. Someone asked me that yesterday. I couldn't tell you. Then I'm doing um, Italy England the next day as oh, well, which is great. Oh, double bubble. Well, a lot of prep, boy. Yeah, but it's good. Oh no, very good. Look forward, forward to that. To that. We'll, I'll listen to you after because we're going to show the game in the locker room after. Well done, fella. Four hundred and forty people coming. It's going to be right. Well, I'll watch me P's and Q's then, shall I? <laughs> yeah. If you could just name drop me, it'd be great. Um, yeah. So France Island, how do you see it going? France Island. Uh, I see mm, I France having to go up 
two gears to beat Ireland. Mm. Um, France have got it. They've got the size, mate. They've got the power. I, f- oh. they do. I mean, no, no one does predictions it, unless they're a fool. Mm. Um, on all we can go on is the form of this last weekend. I'm going France, okay? Okay, Ireland on form win this game. No, but, just you can't say anything after. You just have to say one or the other. No, on Ireland form. on form win this game. But, <laughs> if but Ireland score I more points, they're going to win this game. I don't gamble on. I never gamble. I go to Cheltenham and don't even put a bet on. But if I had to put a tenner on one team, I'd put it on France. There's a lovely picture of you in the green room in Cheltenham cheering. So, I wonder what that was for. Yeah, you probably put a bet on. That's why. I didn't put a bet on. <laughs> or maybe I did. I have done before. I just... The last time I went, I think I didn't put a single bet on. I forgot. Uh, cheering for someone else. Cheering for Lee Westwood oh, no, be winning me. 12 grand. 50 grand he won in one day. Yeah. Needs it. Needs he, post, he posted it on Instagram, his winning ticket. Okay, so you're going Ireland. I'm going France. No, uh, I'm not. I just went France. Oh, you've gone France now, have you? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. That, it's close, isn't it? Yeah, don't know. And also, well, Scotland is close. Uh and then on Sunday, we've got Italy versus England, 3 p.m. I'm going England. Yeah. Yeah, yeah convincingly, I'm going England. Got to get to Italy somehow. Mm. Um, Drive? Early flight, boy. Early flight, boy. Ah, killers, aren't they? Be reet, wouldn't it? Ah, you'd be right. You want to get some get some um, pre-workout drink down here? That's what I want. That's what I need. I'm going to, it's, it's midday now. I've had... Caffeine gum? Um, I've had three coffees. And I'm going to get another one now. Rory Lawson Keep put, me, um, put me in touch with uh, a brand. I can't remember. The, it's a caffeine gum. I think like it might Kickstart be or something. Block one or something. Yeah, but you can yeah. buy them online. They're good. I think they were like in created for the military. You know, so but that's s- what all the lads snipers, chew on the field. I think snipers could chew them and stay alive. I, I nicked some at the England changing room once, and it was called Kickstart or something. And I nicked it. Um, that's all the lads chew on the field. I think is caffeine gum. Yeah. How, are they not worried like they might swallow it and I know, I choke? I think that. Obviously not. I remember Christian Wade chewing like old gum men when we say the game. And I don't know whether that was because he just wanted to look cool. It's like cool. No, they all, they, loads of the lads chew it. Uh. Rohan Jansen van Rensburg, the South African lad, was chewing it all game yesterday at, at Quinn's. I find it better. Maybe it's tobacco. I think it. No, I think it's that. Okay. Anyway, look. Good luck to you, boy. There we are. Right. Um, right guys. I will see you tonight. Where should, we, where should we go for some food prior? Don't tell everyone in case they come. Let's not go. Let's not go too mad with food because we'll eat too much and then we we'll just want to go to sleep. Okay. Yeah. 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 Is there a Nando's nearby? I always. I love Nando's. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, there is, mate. It's That's Cardiff. Of course, it's not Baghdad. <laughs> right. It's not Cairo. See All right, fella. Keep going. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.